Welcome to the Amy Williams Show. I'm your host, Amy Williams, and I am so excited that you're here listening to the show today. My hope and my prayer is that you find the strength and the comfort in knowing whatever you may be facing in your life right now, that you are not alone. Here on the Amy Williams Show, I'm all about being transparent in my personal struggles, my successes, and I pray that each episode brings you the motivation to keep moving forward. Let's get to it. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Amy Williams Show. I'm your host, Amy Williams. And in today's episode, I interviewed Brandon Queen, who is a fellow podcast buddy. And if you want to go check him out, the links and stuff are below in the description. And uh, we get to talk about it in the episode too. So I hope you enjoy and I look forward to getting some feedback from you and any social media platform would be a great way to do that. All right, guys, here it is. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Amy Williams Show. Today, I am so excited to introduce to you a podcast friend. His name is Brandon Queen, and he is the middle of 11 children, which is crazy. Yes. Um, <laughs> 31, you're a deputy and in law enforcement, and I love that you said you're a nerd. You like to shoot guns. You love reading and going to church. So, you know, I love it. Hi, yeah. Brandon. Hey, Amy. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. I'm excited. Yeah. So tell me uh, a little bit more about your podcast, and then we can kind of just go from there. And yeah. Sure. Um, I'm debating if I should read a script or not, but I'm not going to do that. That's boring. Uh, <laughs> so basically, my podcast is a Christian podcast. It's called The Ear which stands for evangelical and reformed. And the idea behind it is to, um, this is going to sound weird, but our uh, deal behind it is Matthew 28, 19, which is, you know, go therefore teach all nations, baptizing them, name of the father, son, you know, all that good stuff. So it's the great commission. That's like the official verse, like all that good stuff is in there. No, it's not. It's not. I'm just (laughs) paraphrasing. (laughs) Um, But my actual verse that I use for, uh, for my, slogan or cap, uh, captivated point, if you will, is Matthew eleven fifteen, which says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And I mean, my goal is just to get solid biblical content uh, out there to the ears of people that either need to hear about Christ or don't know Christ or what have you. Um, so uh, uh, something else that I like to uh, tell people is when we push forward with the gospel, it doesn't matter how we do it. We just need a platform to do it. So you don't have to be an ordained minister to that was preach be the gospel. My next question. Are you, you know, I, you, I'm, did you go to school for a seminary or anything like that? Like an official, I am planning on it right now. I am self-taught if that makes sense. Uh, which means I go to church a lot and I read a lot on my own. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that makes two so, of us. <laughs> yeah. So my podcast is basically Christian stuff. Uh, we do tackle some secular stuff that goes on from a biblical and Christian worldview, okay. you know, and how Christians uh, would think, should think, you know, stuff like that. So it's pretty cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Like one of my seasons was on suicide. And I the, did listen to the, a couple of those the, ones. The g- generic belief is if you commit suicide, that's the unforgivable sin, you go to hell. And that's not the case. The Bible does not teach that. Uh, so, but anyway. 
Uh, you also had one that I listened to that was um, about finances and marriage, and you had a guest on for that one, right? And that was that was really good too. I liked that one. Uh, one of the things yeah. they said, which really resonated me, was like the team. Like it's not your money versus my money. Yeah, and then off row, um, him and I talked because like I'm not married. So I shouldn't have been talking about that topic. But anyway, um, I have talk about it. <laughs> I have separate accounts um, and I'm hiding money from myself, honestly. But I have separate accounts for like once for education. Uh, I'm a nerd. Um, as you can tell, I just bought a great ton of books. I can't say the word I want to say, but like I just bought this one preaching and right. a bunch of other ones. So but I have that account and it's my education account and it's strictly used for either buying books for school or buying books for my extra reading curricular activity, nerdy yeah. stuff. All right. So, but if I was to get married, the wife would know about that account. Then I have an emergency account. She would definitely know about that account, you know? So it, it's not like a, I won't hide anything from her. I'll let her know, look, we have these accounts. This is how I'm operating. You got something better in mind. And then I'll adapt to her, you know, but yes, having teamwork, yeah, absolutely. And I'm all about communication and teamwork. And you, if you don't have that in a marriage, again, I'm not married. If you don't have that in a marriage or a relationship, it crumbles. Yeah. You know, so those are like the, the fabric that holds everything together. But obviously your base is Christ. All right. So um, how long have you been doing your podcast? Believe it or not, February of this year, February 2019. I'm not even nice. a year old yet. Me neither. Yeah. So <laughs> I have like 50 something episodes out. and. Wow. I'm weird. Um, I had somebody tell me that I do my podcast completely backwards. And I'm like, okay. Uh, for example, I don't do seasons based on years like most people do. I don't do seasons based on, like, for example, I could do this where I do a season and it has 13 episodes per season. I don't do that. My seasons are based on what I feel like talking about, what I think is uh, trendy at that time, and books. You know, so like right now I'm doing season five, which is entitled Unknown. And I know the listeners can't see it, but uh, my buddy wrote this book and he's a pastor in Pennsylvania. So we're taking this book and we're actually going through each chapter and each chapter will be its own episode. So we're looking at approximately, I don't know, seven, seven episodes and we're going to have a conclusion episode. And then I want to get my listeners involved. So we'll turn around and have them submit questions via email and voice message. And if they do a voice message, they're going to be included in the final episode that I'm going to call. It's a segment called the listening ear. So uh, I definitely want my listeners to listen, participate and have a chance to run a free book. I love that. That is so cool. Um, we can put that um, link in the, the book info in the show notes so that if people want to find it, cause I know they can't see it. Right. Like, but we can get, we can get that. Info yes. I'll, I'll send all that when I, yeah, I'll send you yes. all that. Yes. So well, that is cool. I don't do seasons at all. I just am, am episodic, whatever. Tell me a little bit more about your personal life. Uh, how long have you been <clears throat> um, in law enforcement? I've been in law enforcement right now for, well, I'm going to say five years. It'll be five years, March 25th of right. 2020. Um, pretty exciting career. Uh, I've gotten in trouble a lot uh, <laughs> and I've had fun. So um, I got some things in the works right now. I'm not sure where it's going as far as law enforcement goes, but I'm going to hang in there as much as I can. All right. And what made you like want to be in law enforcement? I picked it because I wanted to help people. 
Um, I think God has given me a gift for helping people. Lo and behold, I am using it as a mission. I won't say missionary, but as a, a way to share the gospel as well. All right. So I started off, you know, helping people and, you know, of course, arresting people. And then it turned into the people that I arrest if I'm able to, if the vibe is right, you know, <laughs> I'll mm-hmm. tell them about the gospel, uh, so forth and so on. Or I'll go to the jail and talk to the inmates and about Christ and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and you're in Louisiana, right? Yes, I am. All right. Want to try to pronounce the city? <laughs> nope. I remember reading it going, I have no idea where that is. Give it a shot. The parish sheriff's office, that word. Okay, Lafourche. La, La, yeah, I would have said Lafourche. I don't know. Yeah, it's Lafourche. But the city I live in is Thibodeau, and it's spelled T-H-I-B-O-D. You <laughs> something weird about your Louisianians. It's French. Yeah. Mm, that Blame it on the French. It is. I'm not, though. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. I want to ask you kind of a personal question, and... Um, Cause you knew it's going to, you knew it's going to happen, but, um, with everything that's in the news without getting political, cause that ain't my jam. Um, what's it like being an African-American male police officer? <laughs> Why? Why? Um, <laughs> okay. So I have big plans for this podcast. I have some awesome guests that are coming and we're going to dive into those topics Okay. So I figured we'd break the ice and, and here you are. So That's fine. Um, when I first started, I was called Uncle Tom, Porch Monkey, uh, some other horrible things, and literally told that I am not supposed to be in that uniform. I am supposed to be on the other side. Who is telling you that? Uh, black people. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, course. was it coming from other police no, officers? No, no, or no, com- no. Okay. No. Well, I had one police officer that tried that and it backfired on him. Um, lo and behold, he realized I wasn't stupid. But anyway, uh, the community, if you will, uh, did this, told me this. And my thing is, if you break the law, you you pay the price. Simple as that. And I'm there to do a job. You know, so I'm being told, yeah, you this, you that. You shouldn't be on that side. How can you you betray it? You know, you tra- betrayed us. You uh, you a white boy, you this, you that. Which, by the way, no offense, I hate being called white. Um, and, and just stuff like that. But my perspective is, um, yeah, you may break the law and I'm here to do a job, but if I can help you get over this hurdle, that's what I'm going to try to do. Despite what the outcome is going to be, if like, let's say you murdered somebody. No, that's, that's horrible. I can't use that one. Let's say you get a, uh, <laughs> let's say you get a DWI. Okay. All right. Which is a drunk, uh, you know what those are. Yep. Okay. And you go to court, you, you do all this stuff and, you know, you're trying to get your life back on track. I'm not going to be that cop that's going to harass you every time I see you. I'm going to be that cop that's going to encourage you every time I see you because I want you to do better. I don't want you in the justice system locked, you know, locked up 24-7. I don't want you falling back in the, tra- in the same track. I want you to succeed. I want you to go, you know, forward with your life. Black, white, Asian, Mexican, it doesn't matter. Um, but being a black guy in law enforcement has its challenges, especially when somebody is murdered and the masses comes out in droves. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we had an incident where a young lady, I think she was 26, got murdered. And I showed up on scene and I knew who the person was that was murdered. So automatically, my emotions are starting to run. You know, I'm not crying, you know, I'm straight faced, but I'm just, I'm pissed off if I can be 
Frank. Yeah, yeah. And the crowd start coming and they start making a comment, do your job, do your job. And it's like, okay, I'm doing my job. Y'all need to back up so we can process the scene. And everybody just keeps coming, do your job, do your job. I said, okay, I'll do my job. Does anybody know what happened or could tell me what could possibly have happened? Oh, I don't know. You're the cop. You figure it out. You're the cop. You figure it out. And I'm like, you tell me to do my job, but then you tell me I'm the cop to figure it out. Well, which one is it? You want me to find the, the person that did this or you don't want me to find the person that did this? Because the next time it happens, it might be you. And I told him that it might be you. All right. And I probably won't care. <laughs> you know, I didn't mean that, but I'm trying to prove a point. No, I, I get what you're saying. And, and I kid you not, that particular incident, and, and this happened about six months ago. So it's still fresh and it still has an impact on me. Mm-hmm. But since I've been doing it for a while, uh, the community that I work within and work with, they know who I am, they know how I operate. So they're not, they're not those people telling me that anymore. You know, okay. um, I was able to make them think differently, you know, about that. So. Well, I think as a whole, like you can't put one group as. Absolutely. You know, you know what I'm trying to say <laughs> it's not coming out right. Like you can't say all police officers are this way or all black people are this way or all white people are this way. So no, I think, and it's, it's, <clears throat> I think yeah. it's an amazing job that you have to do. And it's a difficult job regardless of skin color. You yeah. Know, I mean, ethnicity or ethnic group or social status, you know, yeah. Look, I grew up poor. So the people I deal with are usually poor and they grew, I grew up with these people. So they know where I'm coming from when I come on scene and, you know, try to handle something and they'll still try to give me flack. And it's like, okay, you can try that. But remember, I know where you grew up and I know who your mama was. So why are you acting like a jack rabbit? You know, <laughs> and usually I'm able to get their attention. Like I have to get on their level. I can't be professional when I'm dealing with the community in which I grew up in. There we go. Right. There you go. I like it. So, um, so when you say you were poor growing up, I can only imagine, I mean, it's hard feeding three children and I can't imagine feeding 11 clothing, 11, right? There's you're one of 11 or are you in the middle of 11 and you're 12? I am smack down, smack dab in the middle of 11. Now here's the joy though. My grandmother raised actually 13 kids at one time. Holy smokes. God bless your grandma. So, and she did the damn thing, Uh, (laughs) but she, um, her teaching and the way uh, she did things was um, I'm going to say unorthodox Um, because you, the way you would think, okay, so my grandmother grew up, she was born in 1939. So she endured segregation Mm -hmm. upon segregation upon at least for 30 years, she dealt with segregation and she dealt with not being able to get ahead in life. Um, You know, and she only had an eighth grade education, you know, at the time. So her upbringing, if you will, would scream she should be bitter and racist or at least bitter and cautious all right maybe not racist but bitter and cautious for sure but she raised us to not think in such a way you know we're not supposed we couldn't even say a negative thing about a white person in front of her you know and i thought it was weird like how how is she okay whatever grandma grandma knows best we know i'm gonna listen to her but i'm glad i did because she was able to show us that it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It just matters how you interact with those people. Amen. So, and she Ooh. was a believer. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing with that because I think it's, it's really important for people to hear like 
It it doesn't matter. I think one of one of our favorite songs in this house with my kids is um, oh now that I'm saying it I can't think of who it is. Is it Mandisa? We all bleed the same. We all bleed the same. And I also like the song by Nicole C. Mullen, or she redid it. Everyday people. Oh yeah, that's a good one too. Yes. Yep. And I mean I I was talking to my pastor earlier this week. And I was just talking about how, you know, with my kids, because they're mixed. So we, we just talk very lighthearted about it, just about how, you know, God loves everybody. And if you mix red with white, you get pink. If you mix whatever colors, you get this. I said, so when you mix daddy and mommy, you get you. And But guess what? <laughs> You're beautiful. I love and- that approach. I love that approach. But I'll say this, um, you know, when you take a look at uh, white supremacists or strong starch black people that that would say they think black men should be with black women oh yeah and i was asked do i agree with that and i said if god called it and ordained it yes you know or if god called and ordained you and your husband which is a white and black person to get together then absolutely but america was never intended to be all white all black all asian um, it was intended to be this gumbo if you ever heard of gumbo Mm -hmm. um or this jambalaya, if you will, it was always meant to be this blend, this mixture um, of God-fearing people. Obviously, the country doesn't look like that today. We're definitely mixed of all different ethnicities and everything. But when you take a look at a Black person and a white person, that is just a, a slap in the face to all racial people, you know, because God will call any relationship in any way, any shape, any form if it is definitely built on his principles and on his foundations. So Absolutely. Um, yes, God loves those mixed babies just as much as you and your husband do. That's right. All right. And we try to, I mean, for them, they're, they're still innocent, they're still babies. And yeah. so I just try to make it as easy for them to understand. And I just say, you know, God made the rainbow. God made all the animals and all the animals are different. Everything's different. And it, if we were all the same, how boring would that be? Like our house is fun. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Go read John <laughs> 17 um, as your basis. Just read that whole chapter and then read Revelation 7, 9. Oh, that's okay. So I, the church that I go to, their, their verse is Revelation 7, 9, all, all tribes. Yeah. So yes. what church do you go to? If you don't mind me asking you a question. It's called Tribes Church <laughs> based on Revelation 7, 9. Okay. It's, yep. The very mosaic church and we love it. The funny thing is, okay, so I'm Presbyterian and since I've been podcasting, I have yet to have my pastor on my podcast and he picks on me all the time. Have him on. I will. And he is, um, he has a heart for small churches. So okay. I'm literally trying to build a season on small church ministry. Oh, uh, okay. And, and he doesn't know that. I'm just, I keep pushing it off because I'm. He I knows keep, it now. Well, he, well, he won't listen to this podcast. I won't tell him I was on it. Uh, <laughs> I'll Ouch. wait till after. I'll wait till after. Okay. Um, but <laughs> I'm actually listening to a lot of his older sermons to build the season. All right. Um, so that's, that's what I'm working on. So he'll probably be season 10 before I All even right. get to him. Well, you know, I love small churches. I feel like there is something very attractive about a bigger church especially mm-hmm. when you talk about like kids ministries and everything they can offer to like teens and stuff. I think that's awesome. Um, but something about a small church being able to be connected to mm-hmm. 
other people and you can check in and be like, Hey, where have you been? You haven't been here for two weeks, but in a big church, you don't get noticed if you're missed. Um, See, if I was a pastor of a big church and I would, the first thing I would do is focus on learning as many members as I can. mm -hmm. And I would do that for the entire year. Like go have dinner with them, lunch with them, whatever, and get to know them. And of course, if you sign any attendance pads and I look at them, I'm going to know, huh, Amy and her husband and her family hasn't been here. Let me give her a call. Or I would, we go, we have a system called elders and deacons. Yeah. Uh, So I would have my elders make those phone calls. Like, Hey, where you been? The pastor's looking for you. Why you been out of church? Why you skipping church? Huh? (laughs) So we pretty much skipped church all summer. I don't know how it wasn't like in our plan. It just happened. Um, We go further North um, a lot. We go camping and whatever. So we were gone almost every weekend. So it just, it won't happen again, but it happened. <laughs> and I got messaged from the student ministries director. Like, hey, where you guys been? One of my Bible study girls, where you guys been? I'm like, oh, we'll be there next week. And then we didn't come. And finally, the pastor was like, where have you guys been? Like, oh, we'll be there next week, I promise. So how big is your church? I mean, if the pastor um, got to it. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, well, we do two services on Sunday mornings, and it's roughly 150-ish, 200 per service. So it's not huge, but it's not tiny. Oh, the pastor knows. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You in trouble. Yeah. And, I mean, basically, yeah. Yeah. So it was like, okay, they've been gone way too long. Where the heck are they? And then it was like, okay, well, school's back in. Now we got to get back. But it just didn't happen. I was like, oh, my God word because i love my church i love my people there they're they're awesome but yeah Yeah. definitely get those kids involved yes get them back to church yeah they have their (laughs) (laughs) somebody better teach these kids (laughs) because so how long have you been attending the church that you're at now tomorrow it'll be 23 23, 24 years. I think, I think 24, I think I'm off. I started going there in 1995 as I was five years, five years old when I started going. All right. So it's the church you grew up in and and you're Mm -hmm. still there. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about your church and tell me, I guess, like what roles you play in, if you are in any roles. Um, Okay. So my my church is a very small church. Uh, Back in the nineties, we were doing fairly well. And then obviously the economy started changing and declining and stuff like that. So of course people moved on. Some went to bigger churches, but overall our church is one of those loving churches that goes above and beyond and actually does more than what it should for the size of its church or for the size. Um, I'll give you a prime example. Um, One of our church members leads up operation Christmas child every year. And we just literally sent out 540, 40-ish boxes overseas for Christmas gifts. How big is your church? About 35 in attendance. Um, yeah, 35 in attendance. 35. 35. Yes. That's tiny. Very tiny. And then we have... Well, you uh, can't skip a week at all. I do. I'm a cop, so I have no choice. But <laughs> <laughs> um, That's different. Right. And then my pastor preaches at uh, our neighboring church in the neighboring city, and they have about 13, 14 on Sundays. Um, okay. And, you know, I mean, we're small. People don't really know what Presbyterian is. And 
honestly, not many people flock to reform theology because they're so caught up in prosperity gospel. Um, so we have a, a, a very knowledgeable pastor, small congregation. We're very family oriented. So a lot of people wonder why we uh, baptize infants. Um, if you came to our church, you would understand why we baptize infants as a denomination. Um, because you can't miss a Sunday without being noticed. And we're a covenantal denomination, meaning, you know, you baptize this child, this whole village congregation, if you will, will stand behind you and help you raise this child. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not going to put you out there to do it on your own. You know, and I have this quote that I always say that no one has ever been called to walk alone in his or her own faith. So with that being said, Presbyterians, if you will, or reformed people that understand reformed doctrine know that we get behind the person and help them raise their child. So they're not doing it. It takes themselves. a village. It takes a village. It we take that village. seriously. And whether you are a follower of Christ or not, you still need a village to raise right. children. So, right. but if you are a follower, then yes, uh, to have other followers follow, help. Right. You, definitely a bonus. So, but yeah. Uh -huh. uh, but my church is, uh, you know, and look, our church ain't perfect. No church is perfect. All right. That's the beauty of the church. You know, we're not perfect. We're being made perfect. And our head is Christ. And, and that's the main thing. If we're preaching Christ, we're good. Well, and I was just having that conversation with a friend of mine. I said, you know, what's crazy? Because she was kind of talking about how she's feeling hurt by the church. Mm. A lot of political stuff that's happening and, and, and just how she's feeling a certain way. And I was like, well, you have to remember that the church is made up of humans and we are all imperfect people. We, we all sin. We all like, mm -hmm. can't like, I think, and, and she grew up Christian reformed too, but I think there's like this expectation that you're perfect. And so like this, you, you're supposed to get to this perfection spot and it's like, you're, you're never going to achieve it. You, you weren't made to be perfect. And so right. it, it's just interesting because I think some people would be like, Oh, you know, I have to get this right before I step into church or I have to fix this and then I can go to church. It's like, no, just come as you are and then we'll work on it because I'm imperfect. I sin daily. I do things wrong. I do whatever. And, and I still go and I still try to figure that part out. Right. And, and that, and that's the thing I love about reform doctrine is you come as you are. And again, I'm gonna go back to my quote. No one has ever been called to walk alone in his or her own faith. We walk together. Mm -hmm. So stop trying to make yourself look good. Stop trying to fix this and fix that. The first thing you do is give it to God and go to somebody's church. Yep. You know, and that's the one thing I love about reform uh, doctrines or reform churches is because their system of government is set up to where the pastor, A, does not have sole authority. B, no member that gives X amount of dollars can override and, you know, say, no, this is going to happen. Right. C, it's all done in unity. So the elders get a task, they pray about it, the pastor leads them. Uh, and then if it's something that's dealing with the congregation, they pass it down to the deacons and the deacons, you know, implement it. You know, it, it, it's a beautiful process. So the pastor can't say, I'm going to go spend a million dollars on a jet and I don't care if you like it or not. No, you can't. Our budget doesn't call for that. And why do you need it? You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> I want a million dollar jet too. Shoot. I would too. I would love to fly private every time, uh, chance I got. <laughs> but anyway, I'm not the president. I'm not Congress members and I'm not, you know, whatever. Yeah. 
Goals, goals, hashtag goals. That's not a goal. That's not a goal. (laughs) No, it's not. Not a goal. (laughs) How about we just make it a goal to be on one? Just to take a ride on one. We don't have to buy it. Okay, that would be cool. That's that's a goal. Know somebody that has that goal and we can just take advantage of it. I know somebody Uh, working on their private uh, pilot license. Ah, That might be happening. Anyway. Okay, be friends (laughs) with that person. Right. You never know where that's going to lead, John. All right. Well, I think um, I think we're good. I think we've got a lot of good stuff about you, Mr. Brandon, and I so appreciate your time. Is there anything you wanted to add before we head out? Yes. If you're listening right. to the Amy Williams show, I would like you to scroll on over to the Ear Podcast and check out a couple of my episodes. I just dropped a brand new season, season five, entitled Unknown based on the book written by Reverend Dr. Matthew Everhart, and it's called Unknown, The Extraordinary Influence of Ordinary Christians. This teaching series, you get to learn about the lesser known characters of the New Testament, like Ananias, Silas, Barnabas, Lydia, uh, Aquila and Priscilla, and so many more uh, characters that actually pushed the gospel forward during that time. So swing on over, add me to your repertoire of listening to podcasts, and learn about these characters. So we're going to send, we'll send people over. I'll put those links and stuff in the description and for that book. Um, okay. who, who is that book written by again? Uh, Matthew Everhard. He okay. is a Presbyterian pastor out of Valencia, Pennsylvania. Awesome. Well, I so appreciate your time. I appreciate you being honest and open with some good questions and uh, go catch Brandon. And he's got Facebook, Instagram. You can find him on there too. And I'll put those handles on there too so the handles there's are no easy. reason why yeah. someone can't find you the only thing that's different is twitter like my facebook and my instagram is earful podcast but my twitter is bq photos because i'm a photographer as well that's yeah. so funny because that's the same for me because twitter i can't put the amy williams show because it's too long so i'm the aw show on twitter but everything else is the amy williams show yeah, and I'm not changing. Different, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm not changing my Twitter handle. I've been having it for a while, and people know I do photography and graphics, so it's nothing just to add audio. There you go. There so, you go. well, we got. It. I don't think we're connected on Twitter, so we'll fix that. Then I can take you. Yep, I'll find you. The AW show you said. Mm-hmm. All right, I like that. All right. That's catchy. But ooh, catchy. I like it. I like it. All right. All right. Thanks, Amy. Thank you so much for listening to The Amy Williams Show. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If that is a yes, please let me know. Find The Amy Williams Show on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or all three of them. It's a great place to reach out and be a part of an uplifting community. It's full of support, motivation, and encouragement for whatever you might be going through. You'll meet new friends, get great content throughout the week, and not just on Wednesdays. The biggest compliment that you can give to The Amy Williams Show is by subscribing, either on iTunes if you're an iPhone user, or using the Stitcher app uh, if you're an Android user, like me. And uh, the other thing you can do is leave a review with your biggest takeaway. Reviews help get guests on the show and sponsors as well. So uh, that's very much appreciated. And also you can share the episodes uh, on your social media because that helps as well. All right. Thanks again. Go out and have a blessed day.